0: So, you can't be on that, Cat. The Cat is stepping on my papers. You can be in here, but you can't be making noise. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking with Bungie. This is the Death by Bungie podcast. I am Rich Wilson. You know, I've been doing this podcast now for about a year and a half, I think. Isn't that crazy? I've been doing it throughout the COVID era, let's call it, and... We're still going strong. I actually really do enjoy these. I started doing these podcasts just for people to have a chance to have something else to take advantage of back when we had all those shutdowns. Remember that? We were all in lockdown and all this stuff, and you couldn't go anywhere except for like necessary emergency travel and all that stuff. Uh, Back then, I started getting my scouting in on state game lands, and that's when I really introduced myself to the state game lands, some of which I had been on before, but learned a lot more about them throughout that process. took advantage of the shutdowns and the lockdowns to go and expand my deer hunting opportunities here in Pennsylvania. All of that is kind of going to be the subject of this podcast. I think it all kind of factors in. The podcast this week is What's going on with the deer numbers? Why are we seeing fewer deer this year than previous years? Set the stage for this a little bit. Genevieve and I kind of noticed a big difference this year, didn't we? If you watch my recent video, My Doe Hunt, I talked about that, I talked about in previous videos as well, but Genevieve and I struggled in Pennsylvania during the crossbow season. We open up here in October. That's typically how it works. Got out there, opening day. Genevieve was going to shoot another big buck under the 100-year-old apple tree. That is a tree that produces deer when it produces apples. When you have apples, you hunt the apples. <laughs> Remember, that is a death by bungee rule, right? A death by bungee principle. An axiom of Death by Bungie, if you will. (laughs) How's that? The reason I say that is because we do want to take advantage of opportunities when they arise. This year was no different. 100-year-old apple tree produced blossoms in the spring, got me all excited, got in there. And for the third year in a row, which is kind of an exceptional thing, that tree produced apples. Usually it's every other year on odd numbered years. So we got our apples, sat in there on opening day, no deer. Can you believe that? Genevieve didn't get a shot. We didn't see any deer. I actually sat two other times during October under that 100-year-old apple tree and did not get a shot at a deer. Didn't even see a deer under that tree. That's the first time In my history as a crossbow hunter, where I sat under that tree and an entire season when it was producing and failed to shoot a deer. That tree is always good for a deer. This year was an exception. You start wondering what's going on. Now, I did have some opportunities for deer over food plots during the crossbow season, but I was a little selective. I'm waiting for a big buck to come in and give me that shot opportunity. I didn't want to be filling my doe tag just yet, and I was kind of using the way I looked at it, kind of using the well pad food plot or the ridge staging food plot as bait to get the does to come in there and feed in the evening. And then using those does as bait to get a big buck to come in. Does that kind of make sense? So I had these bait sized food plots, which aren't really big food plots or bait size as a joke that I have, but I call them bait sized food plots because they're not really, really big. They're just just big enough to get us through the season right we're not trying to feed all the deer in the world and attract more deer we're just trying to attract a few deer it worked perfectly as you may know from that most recent video managed to kill a nice fat doe and we're talking three four year old at least doe over the rich staging food plot Perfect shot, perfect shot opportunity at 30.2 yards. I had an opportunity to range find the deer just before I took the shot. That's something I don't always do. But when you're taking these longer shots and setting yourself up for potentially longer shots, you want to do that. You want to make sure you have the most accurate information so you can make the most accurate shot possible. And it worked out perfectly. Got that deer home, got it uh, processed the whole bit, and we have enjoyed some of that venison already. But that was one deer in Pennsylvania, right? One deer for two hunters, for six potential tags to be filled in this area. Now, my daughter, Genevieve, didn't kill a deer in Pennsylvania. She killed two deer in Maryland on her trip there. So we did really well. And overall, i have done extremely well. I killed a deer also in Maryland. And Genevieve, of course, shot that really nice big buck in Maryland. I've also killed a bear this year, my first bear ever. Bungie and I went to Maine, so we've got a freezer full. We have the third ever meet and greet. Boars, two fantastic Russians that we shot that are in the freezer as well. We've been smoking the pork chops, the shoulders, the whole bit. You name it, we are enjoying venison this year. We're doing extremely well. so I, I have nothing to complain about. That's an absolute fact. Genevieve's been doing taxidermy, as you may know. She is studying to be a taxidermist. She's actually now a licensed taxidermist in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Can you believe that? I'm pretty excited about that. She's excited about it. We actually shot a video recently of her cleaning the deer skull from my doe, and we're doing a video about that. that will be out next year that allows you to see how a way to um, do a European mount without having to go to a taxidermist kind of shooting herself in the foot there by doing this video because people won't hire her to do the taxidermy work. But she's going to give you a tip about how to do that in that video and show you one of the methods that can be used that does a fairly nice job. But uh, man, watching her work, I was so impressed with how accomplished she is already. I've been getting rave reviews from the taxidermist that she is studying with But I hadn't seen her in person. I hadn't seen her do that work firsthand. And watching that, she's a skilled knife user, that's for sure, and just was very professional the way she presented herself. I was really impressed with the good. She doesn't know I'm saying any of this, but I can tell you it's December 17th, Friday, December 17th, and it is about 5.30 in the morning. So Genevieve's not even awake yet. My wife's up, I've been up for a while drinking my coffee and getting around for the day, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to record this podcast, so here we go. So she doesn't even know that I'm saying all this stuff. But in her taxidermy apprenticeship, the reason I bring that up, not just to toot my daughter's horn, because I'm proud of her, I am proud of her and I do want to share that information, of course, but the number of deer that were brought in to the taxidermist this year was about half of what it was last year. Now, that's not very encouraging for a young lady that wants to be a taxidermist. But on the other hand, if this year is an anomaly, and what I mean by that is if the numbers are just down this year and they'll go back to normal next year or what have you, that's fine, right? That doesn't mean that, I mean, that's a good year for her. doesn't mean she's chosen a bad career path. It just means that this is a good year, to get the experience, to get the education. Next year, when business is back to normal, she'll be in her first full year of uh, practicing taxidermy, having her own shop, and what a good time to do it, right? But the taxidermist agrees that the numbers were down, actually down to about half of what they were the previous year in terms of the mounts that are brought in, the taxidermy that is brought in. I have a friend of the family Somebody who's been important to me in my development as a hunter who has hunted with archery equipment for 30 years, hunted with a rifle for 40 years probably. I'm just picking numbers here, but for a long time, right? We're talking decades. For the first time, this is the first time he's failed to get a deer during the archery or rifle seasons. First time ever during his time as a hunter since he's 12 years old. Remember, Pennsylvania, 12 years old, you can start carrying a rifle. Go out and hunt boom, do it. And that's what I did, right? I didn't kill a deer my first year. It took me three, four seasons, something like that. And it's not just us here in Pennsylvania. I did a poll on the YouTube channel, which we had 1,000 plus respondents, 1,500 plus respondents. I don't remember the exact number, but a lot of people responded. And Friends of Bungie struggled this year as well. 48% of the Friends of Bungie who responded to that poll indicated that they had seen fewer deer this year compared to previous years. So 48%, almost half, about half of the respondents said that they had seen fewer deer this year. Now 22% had said they had seen more. 22% said it was the same 4% said this was their first year hunting, so they really didn't have anything to compare it to. Good luck to you folks in that 4%. I hope you really uh, had a good season, something that encourages you to come back. And 4% didn't get out, so I would like to wish them the best in being able to get out in the future. As well as our new first-timers, that 4%, I hope that you have had a good season that will encourage you to keep carrying a crossbow into the deer woods. But again, almost half saying they're seeing fewer deer this year. So it's an issue. There's something going on. What's the cause, right? What is the cause? Maybe you can hear my cat purring here. I don't know. Poor little cat. She's a funny cat. She comes in here and hides. Loves this trophy room. And then I sit down to do a podcast, close the door so I'm not bothering the rest of the family. And then she's having fits because she's locked in this room and whatever. No. Make up your mind. Well, what what caused this? How come we're dealing with this situation, right? A lot of people have speculated that it's been weather, weather-related. Remember last year at this time? In fact, yesterday, was December 16th, was the anniversary of 30-plus inches of snow here in northeastern Pennsylvania season-wise we're after what i call the second crossbow season the rifle season and we're before christmas before that late season starts just after christmas so the deer were not being hunted that time of year but 30 inches of snow covers up food sources 30 inches of snow makes travel difficult 30 inches of snow makes it very difficult for deer to escape predators and move to food sources it's just a real challenge and that hung around for a few weeks. It was difficult. Uh, you know, getting in and out of the woods for me was was a chore. But I don't really think that's a problem for deer. It's a an inconvenience. That's a truth, I'm sure. And I'm sure they don't like it. I'm sure it doesn't help. May account for some deer deaths. But the reality is they're not strangers to this idea of bad weather the entire species has survived bad weather time 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 again i doubt that that contributes too much to the overall number of deer we went out in the season this year in october and it was really really hot now that does cut down on deer movement no question in fact Here we are a year later. It was funny. I was coming out of work yesterday. And our county sheriff was walking around. Had a t-shirt on. December 16th. And I commented on that. About how there's your Christmas weather and all that. And it's kind of nice to have. I'm telling you. It was was nice. It's not hot. But it was not frigid either. A little bit warm for this time of year. If you're wearing a t-shirt in December. In Northeastern Pennsylvania. That's a little bit warm. And October... We were sweating to death in a blind that's going to cut down on deer movement i'm betting right doesn't really explain why i didn't see deer or as many deer for an entire season however because even if it's hot you're going to have to move at some point and if you're out there enough if you haven't that exposure to the outside to the deer woods you're going to see deer move so I don't think that that really contributes an awful lot to the overall number of deer across the board here for Friends of Bungie, for me, for family members locally or in other states. Question about CWD, chronic wasting disease in deer. Does that contribute to reduced deer numbers? I'm sure it does. It's more concentrated in areas of the state that are not here in the kingdom of Bungie fortunately but really I mean over the history of problems with CWD going back close to a decade now here in Pennsylvania since it was first detected where 700 deer have been detected to have CWD only 700 to put it in perspective there's a million deer in Pennsylvania a million if 700 or so have been determined to be infected with it. I know that there's a lot more infected with it out there, but it's not likely a contributing factor at this point to declining deer numbers if the numbers are that small. Other diseases, I think, have a greater impact on deer numbers, like EHD, that epizootic hemorrhagic disease. That's why they come up with abbreviations like EHD or names like blue tongue. That is, in my opinion, a greater contributing factor to reduce deer numbers than CWD is, at least at this point. It's a, it's a parasite right? that's going to infect deer and it can wipe out an entire deer herd. That's a serious problem. They're all serious problems, I get that, but the reality is that's something that can have an immediate impact on deer numbers to your deer herd in your area. If that moves through that area, that's something that, and it's tied into weather as well to some extent because the weather creates the conditions in which that disease can flourish. And if that happens, you'll start finding really nice bucks dead uh, all over the place. So that's a problem, right? But that hasn't moved through Pennsylvania. It's not really in our local news, not really something that we worry about here right? And so that's not a contributing factor really to the overall deer numbers. All of these things can play a role. They all contribute. But I think after all that discussion (laughs) going on and on and on, here we are almost 15 minutes into this podcast and now I'm going to give you the big reveal, right? What I think is responsible for reduced deer numbers this year. And are you ready The reason for reduced deer numbers is COVID. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I'm not suggesting that deer have COVID and therefore the deer numbers are down. That is not what I'm suggesting. I want to be clear that although there have been reports that high numbers of deer can carry COVID, that's a fact. I'm going to let our little cat friend out here. So she'll stop bothering me and allow me to continue on with our podcast. Although COVID is present in deer herds, and that's a remarkable but unrelated phenomenon, I think that's really interesting that deer can carry that disease. It shouldn't surprise us, but game commissions are testing deer. A few different independent separate game commissions have tested deer to determine the presence of COVID in deer tissue, whether or not they have the antibodies. And separate and independent game commissions have determined that up to 40% or 40% or so of the deer herds are carrying COVID antibodies. They've been exposed to the disease. They don't get sick like humans do, but they can carry that disease. Why would they be testing deer, you ask? Well, they're already testing them for CWD in these areas. So they are just testing them for that as well. It's a quick test. I mean, we're at the point now where it's a lot easier to test for COVID, I'm betting, than it is to test for CWD. That's just a complicated process. COVID, on the other hand, we got instant tests or whatever. You know, you you can do that without getting out of your car in this day and age to get a COVID test. So lots of that stuff going on, right? But I don't think deer have COVID and are dying from it. Not suggesting that. But... Remember at the beginning of this podcast, why I started this podcast, I was talking about that. I started this podcast to give you 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever of discussion that makes you think a little bit. Give you something to listen to, one extra thing to listen to each week where you can get a little bit more crossbow-related fun, a little more hunting information out there, maybe give me an opportunity to talk about topics that I can't really make a video on, don't have time to, it's a little bit beyond what I want to make a video on, just doesn't really fit as a video, Uh, and sometimes interviewing friends of Bungie. Remember, we talked to people in the past about everything from food plots to turkey hunting to hunting with birds, that sort of thing. A lot of different interesting conversations, and those are continuing. I have more of those coming, by the way, but when we're talking about these limb breakage issues. But the reason I started the podcast was because of COVID, because of shutdowns and lockdowns, where we didn't have as much to do, and it gives people a little bit extra to brighten your day, right? People were in greater numbers. Let's go hunting and enjoy the outdoors because we can't go to concerts anymore. We can't go to the movie theater anymore. Let's find a new activity and that was a good, healthy, safe activity in the outdoors. My buddy Scott, you hear me talk about him from time to time. Been hunting right alongside me, the same era. You know, we both went to high school together and hunted in high school. And we both, you know, we've hunted together. He lives in Arizona now. We've hunted together out there. Uh, he's hunted with me here in Pennsylvania. Come back to do that. So I stay in touch with him and we talk about hunting. Out there, most of the hunting he does, almost all of it, if not all of it, is public land, and the number of people out enjoying the outdoors, whether they're hunters or hikers, went up. It skyrocketed last year to the point where there's no place to park sometimes when you go to these different parking areas to hunt public ground. That's a challenge, right? That's going to increase the number of deer that were taken. I did on a hunch. I went and looked up a bunch of stuff to see if harvest numbers were up, and it turns out they indeed were up last year. Last year in Pennsylvania, 435,180 deer were killed, according to Game Commission records, Game Commission estimates. I know they're estimates, but they're statistically accurate. It doesn't mean they're accurate right down to the last single digit, but it does mean that they are accurate. They're as accurate as can be, right? Those estimates, 435,000 plus deer, the highest in 15 years. It was up 12%, only 389,000, which is still a lot, but 389,000 a year before. It went from 389,000 to four hundred thirty-five. That's a pretty big increase. That's a pretty big increase. We're up 12% that's going to affect the number of deer that are left over to harvest the following year, right? When you take that many deer out and you have a record harvest, your numbers are naturally going to be a little lower the next year. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, isn't that obvious? That's the simple explanation. It really is. I looked at some of our neighboring states. If you go to New York, our neighbors to the north last year, Uh, 2020 season, 253,990 deer harvested. That's about 254,000 deer in 2020. That was a 13% increase from 2019. An even bigger percentage increase than we had here in Pennsylvania. Maryland, statewide harvest there last year for 2020 season. Not this year, not the year we're in now. But last season, 78,275 White tailed deer were killed. In addition to that, about 3,454 Sika deer. That's pretty average for seca deer. That's amazing to me because there's only 15,000 or so estimated to be within the confines of the state. So the seca deer, about 3,400. And did a video on that. I went down here and I've been to the swamps. I've hunted the seca deer and man, what an experience. That is a whole different world. But the white tailed deer overall, about 78,000, 3% higher than the previous year. 3% higher. So that went up, right? Now, 3% of 78,000 is a pretty good number. I know it's not 12% or 13% like New York, but you know that's nonetheless an increase and it's going to draw down deer numbers overall. Ohio, our neighbors to the West, 197,735 deer last year, 2020. And the previous year, only 184,446 in 2019. So they even had a significant increase of 13,000 more deer out of 197,000. They went up to 13,000 deer to 197,000 last year. So a higher harvest last year. You have higher harvests in all these states. Naturally, you can check your own state. You can check the other places in the country. And my friend in Arizona confirms this. It's the same there. The numbers went up. These are deer that are taken out of that reproductive cycle. You're going to end up with fewer deer the following year. That's just the way it is. Not necessarily the end of everything. It's not a bad thing because that's why we go out and hunt in the first place, is take deer out of the herd. And I think it's healthy because it allows habitat to recover with lower deer numbers. That's a big deal. Two interesting things before I move on to the habitat, though, because I want to talk about that and what that means here when I look at all this stuff and what it means for me in the future. But a couple observations. While Pennsylvania, 435,000 deer, were killing almost half a million deer in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If we go to New York, they killed almost half that, about half that. If we go to Ohio, it's less than half that. If we go to Maryland, it is a fifth, a sixth of that number. Pennsylvania's got a lot of deer. I'm kind of blessed to be here, I guess. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but wow, that's we got pretty good deer numbers. I'm pretty impressed with that. I just didn't realize that until I sat and looked at this just now. The other thing I wanted to point out, though, and I did make a note of this, in Pennsylvania, and I won't speak to all the other states specifically at this time, But in Pennsylvania, bow hunters took about a third of those numbers, right? So if you're looking at that number being real high, that 435,180 deer last year, the highest in 15 years, if you look at that and say, wow, that's too much, don't blame it on crossbows. You hear me? Don't blame it on crossbows. Of that 435,180 deer, You don't get to say, well, there's so many of these because everybody's hunting with a crossbow now and they killed all the deer. Don't point fingers at us crossbow hunters. Bow hunters only took one-third overall of all those 435,180 deer. Bow hunters were responsible for one-third of that take. Crossbows are about 60%, less than two-thirds, but more than half, of that one third, so out of all these numbers, really crossbows are a small percentage overall. It is two thirds rifle hunters, okay, two thirds rifle hunters, and and more primitive weapons like muzzleloader and flintlock. But I can't imagine that muzzleloader and flintlock account for a very high percentage. But nonetheless, crossbows really are accounting for maybe a sixth. that overall total take we could do the math and all that and i do have a spreadsheet somewhere i'll make that the subject of a a different podcast down the road perhaps but that's my observations on the deer numbers and i do think that is the number one thing the number one reason that we have reduced deer numbers this year if you're seeing fewer deer it's probably because of that factor okay then just more people out in the woods last year and more deer harvested now Habitat. Let's talk about habitat. Boy, I love talking about habitat. Don't you? I hope you do because I'm going to spend the rest of this podcast on that. And it's worth your time to hear that. When I go back to that poll, okay, 22% of the people, 48% said they saw fewer deer this year, right? Almost half. 22% saw more, and 22% said they were seeing the same amount. Now, that's 44%. So we could say that almost half. Okay, almost all the remainder had either seen the same amount of deer or more this year. And here is why I think that could happen. I, this is why I think folks may have seen more deer this year. Folks may have seen the same number of deer this year. The reason they're in that category is simply because of habitat. Habitat is tops. When we scout, we're looking for good habitat. Really, that's all we're looking for. On private land, we always think, oh, let's do food plots to attract deer. That's part of it, perhaps. But really, what is habitat? Good habitat is food, water, cover, security. Those are the things deer are looking for in habitat. Let's break that down. Food, water, cover, and security. Cover and security, they're pretty much the same thing. I mean, yeah, a really nice bedding thicket that people go in and out of all the time is not security I get that but man the deer is going to feel a lot more secure in thick cover so if you have that thick cover really and you stay out of there for the most part that's the security we're looking for so we've got the cover and security those are really the same thing food and water who cares about water at least here in northeastern Pennsylvania now going back to my buddy Scott in Arizona I've been out there and I can tell you uh, you can bait with corn out there did you know that in Arizona you can bait with corn I would bait with water. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, okay? That place is, it's a desert, right? It's a desert. And anytime you got cactus growing all over the place, uh, probably water is a limiting resource there. Water is not a limiting resource in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's probably raining right now, right? It's rains all the time. And yeah, you go through drought years, but even in a drought year, the place is, kind of green and deer can always find water here without going too far. The Susquehanna River has never stopped flowing. There are creeks and ponds everywhere and that food that's available, the the brows that deer eat, those forbs and the woody brows, all of that has some moisture in it as well. So deer get a lot of their water requirements met through food here. In this kind of region, okay? In a lot of the white tailed deer's range, that's the case. So, when we're talking about food, water, cover, and security, again, cover and security kind of the same thing. Food and water, I don't really care so much about water. Food becomes real important. But when we talk about food and cover, when we talk about what deer eat, I think food and cover are kind of the same thing. They can fall, you can lump them into the same category because that thick, dense, foliage that deer like to bed in is also what deer eat most of the time. Every deer likes to go to your clover food plot. Every deer wants to eat those turnips in January. Every deer wants to go eat soybeans all summer long. Every deer will go to a cornfield forever. And every deer, I would think, wants to go sit under the 100-year-old apple tree and wait for that apple to fall. right? But the reality is, even in the best food environment, deer are still going to eat more than half of their diet is just going to be stuff that they're eating in the woods. It's going to be woody brows. That's cover. Really, when we look at food, water, cover, and security, the only thing we really care about is cover. <laughs> it's just habitat. That's the key, because that's edible cover. It's, it's everything a deer needs. And it provides even the water in that kind of cover, right? If you have that dense cover. So, If you've seen more deer this year, I'm betting you have really good cover, really good habitat. If you have seen the same amount of deer about that you've seen last year, you know, kind of about the same number, you probably have really good habitat. You probably are hunting in the right spot. Think of it this way. If you've got a pond, right, and you put 10,000 fish in that pond, You can probably catch fish in every part of that pond. If there's only 100 fish in that pond, where are you going to find those fish? They're going to be all around the cover, right? If you only have one fish in that pond, he's going to be in the best spot in that pond for cover, for food cover, you know, for where his needs are met. So it's going to be where that little stump is that's underwater that provides a nice little hole for him to securely sit in there and ambush smaller minnows or other food that happens to swim by. If you have 10 fish, they can't all be in that same spot. So they got to spread out a little bit more. If you have too many fish, they're going to be all over the place. Well, when we had a lot of deer heading into the 2020 seasons, those deer are all over the place. When you have fewer deer this year, those remaining deer are just going to be concentrated more around the better habitat. Really what this is to me is it says the kingdom of Bungee needs more habitat work. And I'm not talking about food plots. I'm talking about better habitat because good habitat will hold dear in good years and bad years. If deer numbers drop even further than they did going into this season, right? Let's say we had another banner season, three banner seasons in a row, and deer numbers drop, drop, drop. Really good habitat still going to have deer. Poor habitat is going to have fewer deer. Really good habitat is going to have more deer. And it's going to have more mature deer, because the more mature deer like to be in those better neighborhoods, the more mature deer are able to dominate and exclude others from that really good habitat. Now, on private land, you can control that, right? On private land, I can really play a role in this and determine where I'm going to be hunting and where the deer are going to be, and I can improve that habitat. On public land, you just got to look at maps and then go visit it, put boots on the ground, go there and look at it, and maybe run some cameras, that kind of thing to figure out where that habitat is. But it's there, it's out there. There's just gonna be, just like every place, there's gonna be a mix. There's gonna be spots that are good and spots that aren't so good. There's gonna be spots that are good for pheasants, spots that are good for deer, spots that are good for turkeys. You've gotta find those different spots. Private land, can you can control it a little bit more, but in public, you gotta go find that. So here's, we'll end this on a positive note, two things that I wanna talk about. If you didn't get a deer this year, saw fewer deer, Keep your chin up we still got time left to get out there i'm excited actually i'm still motivated to hunt and i'm still excited about going out there for the late crossbow season it doesn't start till after christmas i will go out there and i'm going to try and shoot deer on public ground that's something i've always wanted to do if i can pull that off i'm going to feel like i really really accomplished something this year so i'm going to give that my gut my all okay i'm going to really really try and do that if you read my book the death by bungee crossbow story, perhaps you'll recall that my first year back into hunting, I did not get a deer until the last day of the crossbow season. It was November 12th of 2010. I'll never forget that date, but it happened. I didn't get a shot opportunity before that. And that meant a lot to me and sort of solidified my entry into crossbow hunting. Here we are 12 years later, 12 seasons later, and I'm motivated to go out and sit in frigid cold temperatures after Christmas and then January. Can you believe that? So that kind of world awaits you if you didn't have success this year. If you're new to crossbow hunting, keep your chin up. It can still happen this year. And if it doesn't, we're going to rebound. We'll get there next year. You keep looking for better habitat. The deer will meet you there. You'll get that opportunity next year. So I want to make that clear. We still have that possibility. The second thing that I wanted to point out is I'm going to be doing some more habitat work. I actually bought some a couple of different chemicals on Amazon.com that are being shipped here that I'm going to do a hack and squirt method in the kingdom of bungee. We're not going to make enough money from timbering it to make it worthwhile to do that. So rather than go that route, I am actually going to go through and try and open up the canopy in the various areas and create bedding, create more cover, create more edible browse, create more food for the deer, natural food that will hold deer all year long and feed them all year long. Still going to do some food plots. That was fun, and it really worked. My bait-sized food plot method is working fantastic, in my opinion. See deer when I go out and hunt, and I shot a nice, big, fat doe, what more do you want, right? If the buck were there, if I had the bedding areas, the cover, the security that a buck desires, perhaps that buck would be in that food plot as well or uh, on his way to that food plot, okay, or follow the doe into that food plot, or in my experience, chase those does out of the food plot. That's usually what the bucks do. But better habitat's going to have better deer. And it's going to have more deer. So, we're going to work on that habitat. I'm going to get the hack and squirt going, kill some trees. That can be done in January after the seasons are done and over. I'll start doing that. And as that canopy opens up in 2022, we should have more sunlight hitting the forest floor, more nutrients available in the soil, available for these other plants to grow, more. Moisture in the soil being used by those plants instead of the trees that are soaking it all up now. All of that will improve deer habitat. So I'm working on that, I'm going to do videos on it, maybe a podcast on it. We'll be talking about that further. But I'm doing this with an eye toward the future, two, three years from now, sort of proofing your property for these kinds of problems. On bad years, the Kingdom of Bungee is going to still gonna be an attractive place for deer. So that's what's come in the future of Death by Bungie. Remember, there is still time. Let's get out there and hunt. If you are able to hunt still, give it a shot. Go out there and if nothing else, use it as a scouting opportunity where you're learning more about the local habitat, looking for that prime habitat, and maybe you get lucky and shoot a deer at the same time. What more can you ask for? I hope, that happens. I hope we all have a great outing or two left on us for the 2021-2022 season. That's it for me. Until next time, all hail Bungie.